Hey guys, Nate Clear and Nick Krakowski, your hosts of Nondell Influencers, brought to you by First Funding. Uh, today we have Chad Osterhout from United Wholesale Mortgage. Chad, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Got it. So, guys, uh, to kick things off, kind of set the stage here. This podcast, in particular, this um, this episode is really geared towards brokers. Um, brokers that may have an interest in correspondent, brokers that are trying to navigate um, some of the changes that are being instilled by wholesale lenders in terms of borrow paid versus lender paid comp, et cetera. Um, and so we thought who other than Chad Osterhound over at UWM to have on the call to really talk about um, some of these changes out here. What's changing from the broker comp standpoint? I, you know, we've talked about it in some of our other episodes. We've had some some customers on that you know said, hey, as a as a broker, you got borrower paid, you've got lender paid comp, you got to pick one or the other. What's changing? What are, what are you seeing from kind of a wholesale perspective that's new from I don't know a month ago? Yeah, so there's a, a lot of changes going on in the industry with people tightening up a little bit when uh, um, LOs are flipping from lender paid comp to borrower paid comp, and the reasons they can do that. Uh, you know, we want to make sure, and not just us, everybody in the industry wants to make sure that, you know, these clients are getting disclosed to correctly up front and not having things change them right, you know, right at the closing table. So it's getting a little bit tighter to flip from lender paid to borrower paid, and um, it makes it a little bit tougher to do loans at sometimes. Gotcha. So if you can, you know, like we've got, you know, customers, right? I mean, a lot of what First Funding's done is, you know, brokers making the transition into correspondent. And so a lot of times what I hear, you know, from, you know, when we're talking to them and we're like, hey, you know, one of the benefits of being a correspondent is that, um, you know, you're not tied to borrower paid or lender paid. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter because I can, you know, I can originate it. And if they come back, you know, I, I originally start off as lender paid. That means that, you know, I'm, I'm set to whatever my lender comp agreement is. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. then um, if they come back and like they've gone down and they've talked to a correspondent down the street and they need a better rate, I can always talk to them. Um, in, in what? flip it to bar paid, have a lender credit, discuss how this is, you know, better pricing. It's the same thing, but you still got a credit so we can match pricing. Right. On the broker so what you're saying then, Chad, is that that's, that's, what's changing that piece of it. Yeah. So you, you can't, you know, go borrow paid to try to compete. You should have gave the consumer the best deal up front. That's the whole point of trade is know before you owe, not let me go as high as I can on my comp, fail QM, or I got to compete and I'm going to drop my fees to try to compete with you. And now it went from the lender paying the fee, which is lender paid, to now the consumer has to pay. And that's not how you initially disclosed it. So we're just trying to make sure that the consumer knows exactly what they're getting when the loan's disclosed to them and locked up front. Got it. So for the guy that was trying to go that route, what you're saying is, is that that route is no longer open to them. What, so what would they do at that point? Do they just lose the deal? Do they have to redisclose? What does that look like? Yeah, typically they would have to um, retake application and redo the loan so the consumer knows what they're getting up front. Got it. Okay. So what is what is that meant for, for your business? Because Chad, you head up the correspondent division for UWM. So yeah, so I mean, we convert now from, you know, compared to, you know, kind of more of the wholesale account reps that you have. Yeah, I mean, all our account reps, you know, we have 600 plus of them here. They all have correspondent accounts. We don't have specialized correspondent AEs just because they all know how to do it. 
Okay. However, you know, we have that path of the non-delegated channel that gives clients more flexibility in how they disclose and price their loans. Although the, the LO is still subject to their lender pay comp agreement with their broker owner, mm -hmm. they still, they have more flexibility in how they disclose them, you know, not having disclosed what they're making from us as a lender gives them a really big competitive advantage in the market when they're trying to win deals. Right. So the conversations, you know, that we've historically had and I, you know, we've, we've worked together as well has been, you know, around having that, that flexibility in the way that the, the compensation works. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about kind of the, that benefit inherent to the consumer? And if you were the lender on that transaction, right? Like so many of our you know, broker owners are, um, can you help kind of espouse to the benefit? Uh, to the consumer under the, the correspondent side? I, yeah, I always, I always give people a, a really good example. Like if I wanted to do a million dollar loan and I wanted to disclose it as borrower paid because I only want to make 1%, I have to charge the consumer $10,000 in that transaction. Mm -hmm. Where if I was a correspondent, I could lock it with whatever investor I choose at a rate paying 1% and charge the consumer zero. So the Consumers coming out of pocket with ten thousand dollars less money just by using a correspondent lender versus a broker, right? And I think that's huge, and I think that gets lost on a lot of uh, a lot of brokers, right? Is that um, not to say necessarily that one is entirely better than the other? I think that there's a good fit for 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 certain people, um, but I think on the correspondent side, yeah. being able to operate as that lender, right, and select the investor. Um, and have control over what rate you offer that borrower, um, I think is, is leading to a better consumer experience. Yeah, and I think you know, you've got a lot of misconception on that non-delegated pricing model in, in the broker channel, um, you know, because there's a lot, of, a lot of misconstrued information out there saying that, well, you know, the only reason you become a non-del is because now you can charge four points and that's why you're doing it because you're just trying to, to do the X, Y, and Z. When at the end of the day, I mean, now you can you can honestly offer the consumer the best pricing possible. Um, I mean, just teeing up your point there, Chad. I mean, you're looking at what zero points up front, just make your money on the back end. Um, that's that's a better deal for the borrower. You know, ten days out of the week. Yeah. You know, it's a, a lot of people ask me, Chad, what's the benefit? And there's a few things that I always hear, I guess, concerns about. It's a lot more work for me. There's a lot more risk for me. Um, I, I don't want to make more money. I just want to be more competitive. Well, correspondent non-Dell. With, with UWM and First Funding solves all of that, right? Because number one, you'll get the flexibility that you need to disclose loans. You'll get the flexibility you need to recruit loan officers from retail, which we're seeing every single day they're leaving in droves to come to correspondent partners of ours. You're going to get the flexibility to use AMCs of your choice. So if you have LOs all over the country and you have like an AMC in California for your California loans and you like one in New Jersey for your other loans, you have the flexibility to choose um, which AMCs you use, which is really, really important. And as far as the work is concerned, between our platform and your platform, it's not that much more work and you have unlimited more flexibility. It's definitely worth it. And there's not really a lot to learn because between your system and my system, it's a pretty seamless process from start to finish. And all the bumper rails are in place to make sure you don't make mistakes that cost you money. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think that's enormous right is that so many people and, and really the whole purpose of us having this non-dell influencers web page and the podcast is to provide enough information out there for people to find that uh it's not a huge leap 
in order for them to go out on their own to be a lender, that there are investors like UWM that's out there for funding from the warehouse lending perspective that can make it seamless for you. We, we've put the thought into, okay, from a reporting standpoint, we can do, we can provide you the 1098s that you need. Oh, you need to know from an accounting standpoint, how much you make full reconciliations, transactional reports. Oh, you need an LOS where, where you need an investor that's going to look at your disclosures. Hey, there's, there's somebody out there for you uh, in that regard, doc generation, underwrite, et cetera, without having to take them on. So I think that's big. You, you brought up there, Chad, for a second, you're seeing it move in droves from retail to independent. Can you talk a little bit more about what you're seeing um, and kind of the driving force behind that? Yeah. So what really happens in the market when margins compress, which is what's happened as rates go up, margins have to compress some more. And these big retail uh, banks and uh, retail loan officers are getting squeezed because corporate's not going to reduce their margin. They're going to start re reducing LO comp. They're going to start charging the P&Ls more so they have negative P&L losses. All these kind of things are happening. So every week we have more and more retail clients coming here that say, hey, we either want to go on our own, open our own shop, or two, we want to join a current correspondent. Because keep in mind, a lot of these retail loan officers have never brokered a loan before. They don't know how to lend with lender pay comp or power pay comp. They don't understand it. So going to a current correspondent partner, open up as your own correspondent independent, uh, gives them a significant advantage. And right now when there's not a huge refi boom and they don't have pipelines of the hundreds of millions of dollars in loans, it's a lot easier for them to make a move to become independent. Right. And so what are you generally, what, how do you, because we get this question too, and I'm Nick, probably more so you than, than me. Um, how do you help coach them along? What kind of questions should they be asking themselves, whether the, the route of setting up independent is right for them or for them to go, you know, perhaps join in a, you know, an existing either, you know, independent lender or broker? Yeah. So we all, we get that question all the time when they come in here, I sit down with them and say, Hey, do you want to plug into a company that's already a great partner that has the payroll set up, that has the warehouse line set up, that has the MERS, the US, UCDP for Fannie and Freddie. Somebody has all that already set up and you just want to go out there and originate and use their back end and their operations. That's the main question I asked. We're like, no, we have our own people. Okay, well, maybe it's easier to go independent. So let's talk about that. Let's figure out the best way, your best warehouse bank for you. And a lot of times it's you guys. You guys have a lot of flexibility when it comes to new startups. You guys have a lot of capacity when it comes to lending for these guys because they have a lot of volume. So we send a ton of your guys' way for that reason. And like you mentioned, your fuel platform has all the stuff in place for them so they don't have to worry about their reporting or how to do their payroll because it's all broken down in a reconciliation form you guys give them. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I know that, you know, for us, a lot of the times when we're trying to talk to these, you know, retail guys, it's really boiling down to, do you want to be a business owner or do you not? Yeah. Because um, sometimes you start having a the conversation, they're like, I'm getting ripped off here. I'm getting ripped off there. I want to take full control over it. Um, and we make things, you know, very seamless. We have provided, you know, a, a, a great kind of tool in terms yeah. of warehouse lending space and certainly on your end from the investor space to make that without a lot of overhead expense. But there is expense, right, in running your own business. And so I think that that's the other big piece yeah. that we find that we're talking about, too, is do you even want to be a business owner? Um, because I think some of them, what they at the end of the day, um, they like the idea of the additional revenue. They don't like the idea of what what all it's going to take. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, a lot of these guys get caught up, too. And, and 
they come from that retail model, they think they want to be delegated off the bat, right? And so you've got to look at that when making the transition too is, well, you know, you want to hire a good underwriter. It's a, it's a six-figure salary per right. year. That's consistent. Um, but if you can plug into that non-delegated model, you know, partner with somebody like yourself, Chad, um, you've, you've got that underwrite on a variable cost per transaction. So when you're starting up, it's the smarter move, right? Whether you want to go delegate it someday or not, right? Um, I think the non-del channel is always the best place to start. Yeah. So right. it's funny you mentioned that. We're seeing the, the exact opposite, meaning that we have people that in the refi boom went back and said, I, I want to have underwriters. I want to get a little bit more, yeah. you know, squeeze out of this lemon, right? And now like, oh man, there's no loans. And I have all this overhead with these underwriters and these funders and these processors and these doc drawers and all these things that's not variable as, as Nick mentioned. Um, that's a big deal. So we got people that went from, hey, I was delegated. I'm getting rid of all my underwriters. I'm coming back to the non-Dell space. I'm never going back because the SRP schedules aren't once what they once were, right? They're not right. making 80, 90, 100 basis points more per transaction. Some yep. cases, guy said he was making 25, 30. And by the time the loan got bought off his books and the extra additional risk and reps and warrants he had to take on, it's not worth it, he said. It's not worth it even if, if it was 80 basis points. He said he had a couple loans he had to buy back and it almost put him out of business. So thinking about that and then thinking about scratch and dent investors, the scratch and dent market isn't anything yeah. near what it used to be uh, during COVID. I mean, we got loans that people are trying to sell for, you know, 70 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar, where before they might've been 90, 95, 98. So um, the risk you take on from being delegated is significantly higher today than it ever has been. Absolutely. And we've seen that. Yeah, we've seen it coming back just, just for the days online aspect. I mean, because you're an average delegated lender, your, your average term time is 14 to 21 days. When you switch to the non-del model, I mean, you're a six, seven day average. So you're cutting that in, you know, by two thirds. Yeah, it's just saving thousands of dollars a month. Yeah, just four point three over here at UWM. Just want to throw a quote out. <laughs> and I'm probably bringing your average down with all your other customers too. Just throw we, that in there. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. We do appreciate that. Yeah. You know, but one of the things that you think about dwell time is really important, and that's one of the things that I love about first funding is the way you have steps down in incentives to get your loans purchased faster. I mean, I don't know if people talk about that enough. You know, you go to a, a bank or somebody and say, this is my fee. You guys come out and say, this is my fee. But if you perform at this type of level, you're going to get discounts on your pricing, which obviously you can pass on to the consumer to get better pricing, better rates, better everything to win more deals. So mm -hmm. I don't think you guys press on that hard enough. Everybody we talk to here at UWM that uses you guys, we talk about that because I think it's really important. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, and, and I do think, you know, very highly of it. We call it a quality incentive because that's what we're all aiming for, right? I mean, you guys and your scorecards are account success reports, right? You guys are measuring, you know, pull-through ratios, locks, emissions, all that kind of. For us, the best thing that we can see from a quality standpoint is yeah. that when you originated and went through underwriting and you closed it, right? If you did everything, you checked all the boxes like you're supposed to, that should result in literally submitting or uploading that package and getting collaterally delivery and then really nothing else right so if you're if you're hitting that metric then you should definitely be you know achieving those quality incentives that we sent out there so i mean yeah. think about um like you guys are on the forefront of the e-notes you know we yeah. just started doing e-notes earlier this year with you guys and we have people getting loans purchased in a day something that we've right. never seen before and um not a lot of warehouse banks offer it especially if they're a bank, they're not out there trying to do e-notes. They're not trying to get less dwell time. They're trying to get more dwell time so they can make more interest. Yeah. So you guys are the total opposite of what we're seeing out there in the market. 
So let's talk on that. You brought up e notes, and, and thank you for doing that because uh, it's something that's certainly near and dear to us here at First Funding. I mean, we've been doing funding e notes since I've been on board, so yeah. about a dozen years now. The biggest problem that we've seen historically is, you know, investor appetite for them. So when you guys, you know, launched that you guys are, are now participating in it, what was that October last year? Yep. Yep. Um, and now we've, we're funding more e notes than we have. In the past 12 years, yeah. we're probably past that mark that we've done in the last 12. Yeah. So that's that's huge. What are you hearing? Because I, Nick, I know you've got yeah. a number of accounts. What do you maybe take it off to you? What are you hearing from the lenders? What's their feedback? They love it. I mean, it's 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 seamless. You've got a two day purchase time, a one day purchase time. It's I mean, it's when you go in to buy a car today, right? You you don't sign out paperwork you're, you're buying car note you're buying all this stuff you're doing it on ipad well right you have the same you know accessibility to a mortgage now it's just making it easier seamless for the borrower seamless for the mortgage and then you know for the lender and for the investor it's easy it's yeah. a transfer of a digital note there's no overnight tracking there's no oh god there was another ice storm in texas everyone's notes are on hold right yeah uh, we can we can bypass all that or especially in the purchase market right where you don't get to choose your title company we all love title companies, but sometimes those notes don't get shipped to the right place and they don't get shipped on time. Um, we can eliminate that that you know human error as well. Yeah. And then I guess from the funding standpoint, nothing can change in a digital package, right? So yeah. handwritten changes and all that, so that goes out the window. So from a funding authorization standpoint, you really, as long as the signing has been completed, and I think you guys even allow for remote online notaries with e-notes, right, Chad? Yep. Yeah, so you could do it fully digital. So once it's been completed, your team will actually handle the transfer of uh, that that MERS assignment too, right? Yep. Um, what else? Because I know that you know, two of the other areas that we generally get caught up on, we talked about one of them was you know investors even accepting or purchasing wow. e-notes. Um, a couple of the other steps are doc platform, right, that's capable of generating e-notes, and then the other piece is the MERS setup. What have you guys done? that kind of streamline that because we don't seem to be getting a lot of that kind of feedback from the the folks that are are doing e-notes with you guys. Yeah, so a couple of things on e-notes in general is they're, they're the thing of the future and what happens a lot in the mortgage industry is people don't think about the future, they think about the now. And if you try to set up e-notes and get vaults and do all these things in the future when that's what everybody's doing, it's gonna be a lot harder. So being in front of it's important. Number two, um, we set up our UCLOSE platform to generate, you know, every loan we do is on a mom mortgage, which means it's already a MERS mortgage. There's no assignments. It's all done online through the MERS registration system. And our platform assigns it for you. It transfers it to first funding. First funding gives it back to us and we buy the loan. It's, it's literally that simple. Right. So everything. So it's essentially you've taken out the the need to go out there update a doc system or go through a separate approval process for each lender that wants to do e-notes. Essentially, they can piggyback off of uh, what you guys have already built in terms of e-vaulting and the doc platform that you guys are, are drawing the documents to create those smart docs so that the, the correspondent lender doesn't have to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. I know we've got a few minutes here, Chad. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask. What are you seeing on the course, you know, for the guys that are listening to us that are existing correspondents, there's a lot of, you know, kind of upstream noise around Fannie, Freddie, pushing things back, um, kind of an increase in that overall volume. Maybe it's a um, stuff that's kind of hangover through the pandemic, yeah. et cetera. 
what should correspondents be aware of and be conscious of when they're they're closing their loans to avoid you know, you know not being able to sell them etc yeah so the, the biggest thing i tell anybody is what whatever investor you work with make sure you review your clear to close before your funding has look at all your funding conditions make sure like there's a lot of times where it's a must not fund before date or close before you know in california when the notes are generated that's when they're signing because there's no there's you're not putting a date on the notice printed so sometimes i've seen on earls before where they close before they're allowed to you know just making sure you're dotting all your i's across your t's before you close that loan is really important are you close platform uh, pretty much put the bumper rails around that so you can't screw that up but we do have clients that pull their own docs and you know have their own closers in-house and things like that where you know just like we make mistakes because we're human, they can make mistakes, could make their loan unsaleable. So it's really, really important to pay attention to your clear to close. Yeah, two things that I'm seeing, um, you know, just kind of across the industry. One is um, gift funds, and then the other yeah. one is um, undisclosed debt. Can you talk a little bit about those two points and any any tips that you have? Yep, so those are two big hurdles. And then also like uh, selling a house, and using the proceeds to buy the new house. So getting the, the I guess it's not a HUD one anymore, but the settlement statement or the closing CD to show the proceeds. Mm -hmm. So those two things, it's really, really important to one, again, if it's on, it would be on your CTC, on your closing instructions, make sure that they actually close. The gift funds, make sure they're verified. Make sure they're verified based on what you provided your underwriter at whatever investor you're using. So we've seen people say, I have 50,000 in, gift funds here they're proven but they show up with funds from a different place people are going to catch that's going to hold up the purchase of your loan so you have to make sure that you're following the ctc undisclosed debts we monitor all that stuff here at uwm so it's something you don't have to be worried about but it is something that's happening in the industry more and more and more okay yeah no i appreciate that and, and certainly the best time to do a lot of those things is actually at the closing right and it's having somebody that's reviewing the documentation prior to you issuing that funding off so that you make sure that you got, yeah. like you're saying, I's dotted, T's crossed. Yep, absolutely. Excellent. Well, Chad, we appreciate you uh, joining us today for Nondell Influencers. We certainly um, would ask that you share it with the rest of your team at first or at UWM um, that we've got this Nondell Influencers platform. As I've mentioned before, there's a website, nondellinfluencers.com, a ton of information that's on there around making the transition into correspondent. If you're retail, you're thinking about it, you're LO, you want to go on your own, et cetera. There's a lot of information on there. And certainly be sure to subscribe to the Nondell Influencers podcast. Chad, thanks for joining me, Nick, as always. Thanks for uh, for helping me head this up. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. We'll see you. We'll talk soon. See ya.